You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So welcome to this episode of the Rockspile Rockies Report brought to you by rockspile.com. My name is Kevin Henry, one of the co-experts at Rockspile. Thank you so much for joining us. And pleased, as always, to be joined by my friend and fellow co-expert, Noah Yingling. Good morning, Noah. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, good. Beautiful day here in Colorado today. Uh, recording this the day after the Rockies finished the season with a 71-91 and 91 mark by sweeping the Brewers. And I will tell you, Noah, there were some upset Wisconsin people with us yesterday that we would dare gloat that the Rockies swept the Brewers and reminding us that the you know, Brewers were going to the postseason and the Rockies were not. Now, um, the only thing is if the Rockies could have done it last year instead of this year. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you, know, it, you know, they were a little salty uh, thinking the Rockies, I should say, were a little salty about uh, last season. And to be honest, they were. Uh, you know, Trevor Story came, came right out and said, yeah, it's a little bit of revenge for us. We remember what happened. But it wasn't so much that they remembered what happened last season, but it was they remembered how poorly they played in that series last season. I think that's what stuck with the Rockies more than even the loss. Yeah, and I mean, with the Rockies, I mean, this is the first time they faced them at Coors Field since then. Um, yep. So maybe it was kind of a uh, kind of a PO'd attitude. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys beat us in our place last year to advance to the, uh, to the NLCS. So, but I mean, at least with the Brewers, uh, they can't complain too much because I mean, as I was telling you yesterday, just imagine if they had after the 13 inning game, just imagine if they had to go to game 163, you're going yep. from Denver essentially to Kansas because the Denver airport's in the middle of Timbuktu. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's not closer to St. Louis for sure. That's right. <laughs> then they would have to go to St. Louis, and then if they lost that game and had to go to the wild card game, uh, still, then they would go to D.C. If they won that game, then they would have to fly out to L.A. for the NLDS. Yep. So in a span of four or five days, they'd be going from Denver 
essentially to Kansas, but still <laughs> technically Denver, then to Missouri, then to D.C., then out to L.A. So, yeah. Yeah. If anything, the, the Brewers should be thanking the Rockies. I mean, if you think they should. It. <laughs> well, and, and you know, and, and let's think back to, and, and this was a conversation that was had in the press box many times during the weekend at Coors Field with the, the Milwaukee beat writers sitting not that far away from us, was that the, the Brewers had plenty of chances with the Cardinals stumbling against the Cubs, especially, let's face it, Saturday night. You've got Hayter on the mound, Hilliard up, uh, you know, Hilliard, of course, ties the game. Uh, and then the story with the heroics and extra innings. But that was the best chance for the Brewers by far to actually not uh, up the division. But, the, you know, Hater Hater couldn't get the job done. And and I will tell you, one of the best quotes of the entire season, I think, came from Stan Hilliard after that. Uh, we were talking to him about how he got ready for a pinch hit appearance. And he went into the batting cage, cranked up the machine as high as it would go, tried to adjust the spin rate for what he thought would be what Hayter would throw, because he'd never seen Hayter before. And he said it took him about 20 pitches to finally foul one off. And then the next one, he actually got solid contact on. He stopped the machine right there and said, I'm good. And uh, and that's when he went out for his pinch hitting appearance. So. Uh, obviously, he was good blasting the home run that uh, broke the Brewers' hearts. Yeah, and with Hilliard, I mean, and this is the one thing that I definitely saw some in September, thankfully, was some of the younger players playing well. And Hilliard, yeah. he, he struggled a bit in his first, um, I would say, first dozen or so games. Um, well, he had a few hits in his first games, but then he started to dissipate. But his last 11 games that he played in, this is starting with the Mets series. So September 17th, um, Hilliard hit 395 with a 452 on base percentage, had five homers, and he had the two stolen bases, both of which were yesterday. Um, but, Overall, for a 162-game season, that would be equivalent. His five homers and eight RBIs would be equivalent to a 74 home run in a 118 RBI season. So, I mean, <laughs> obviously that's a lot smaller. Sample size, 11 games. But still, I mean, he played really well the last week and a half or so. Yeah. And you saw that with Garrett Hampson as well. He played really well the last, uh, I would say, even month or so. Um, because, in fact, if you look back to August 28th for him, um, he played in 28 games. He hit 330 with a 377 on base percentage, 526 slugging. So that's a 903 OPS. Five homers, 10 RBI, eight walks, um, 10 stolen bases as well. So for a full 162-game schedule for the stolen bases, that's equivalent to 58 stolen bases. So, I mean... I, I, for both Hilliard and Hampson, we know the speed is there, but for Definitely. both of them in general, going down the stretch, they both played really well. Well, and, and I've got to be honest, and it's funny you bring up the speed because we were talking about this a little bit yesterday in the press box, that if you think about Story, Tapia, Hilliard, Hampson, those are four guys that the Rockies have with some pretty elite speed right there. And if they can figure out a way to 
balance the lineup where these guys are, are obviously put in position to get on base, and they actually do, uh, it, it could add a whole new dynamic uh, for the Rockies next season. And those back-to-back stolen bases yesterday, I was kind of glad to see uh, Hilliard kind of tip his hand a little bit that, yeah, this isn't just a guy who can blast it, blast one off haters. It's a guy that can also take advantage if you're not paying attention to him on the bases. Yeah, and in fact, yesterday on um, the Rockies radio broadcast with Jack Corrigan and Jerry Schemmel, um, they were talking about how the Rockies were hoping to use the running game more this season, um, but considering how well they played for two or three months where, I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, they were losing just about every single game. Um, they didn't utilize it as much as they hoped. So um, in 2020, if you've got a full season of Hampson and Hilliard and it, with Tapia, he played 138 games this year and he only had nine stolen bases. Obviously, he's much he, he could steal much more than that. Yeah. Um, but the person that you saw steal the most was Trevor Story. Yep. Overall, the Rockies had 71 stolen bases, which is about middle of the road for the National League. They, they were eighth. And Story had 23 of those. So he was essentially a third of their stolen bases. And Garrett Hampson had 15. And oh, so between Story and Hampson, I mean, you're talking two thirds of their stolen bases. True. Yeah. Yeah, and how many of those, uh, I think, what, Hampson ended up with seven stolen bases, I think it was, in the month of September. So, obviously, a huge spike in his production in swipes uh, as the, the season wound down. And, you know, speaking of September, I was, I was looking back at some stats and before, you know, while we were talking before we went on the air here. And the Rockies actually went 9-4 and four at Coors Field in September. And, you know, I, I think that that's really an important stat just because those include two sweeps, Padres and Brewers, as well as a two and one mark against the Cardinals. So, you know, these were moments that we saw at Coors in September where the Rockies not only took advantage of the home field, but they also did it against teams that either they were fighting against in the standings, uh, you know, and they finally did overtake San Diego for that fourth spot in the NL West. Uh, but also you go five and one against the two teams that are battling for the NL Central. So not bad. Yeah. And like I said, a- entering the month, I mean, I would have told you the Rockies, they, they probably would have been, been really close to a hundred loss team and they ended up being 71 and 91. Um, so overall the month did not go as bad as badly as you would have planned uh, or you would have thought. Um, and I mean, still, obviously it wasn't a great season for the Rockies. A 91 win is not going to be a great season, but considering they went just about 500 overall for September, at least they didn't completely quit as, some other teams might if they were in that position. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think Saturday, you know, and, and I wrote about this for Rock Smile on Sunday, uh, just the, you could see that this team wasn't going to quit. And, and I think that that's something that was very surprising, shall we say, to the Milwaukee folks who came to the game, is that they just thought, oh, well, you know, Colorado's a losing team, got a losing record. They're just going to roll over. And the fact that the Rockies – fought their way through, and, you know, let's be honest, uh, you know, 
the, the Brewers lost Kane. They lost Braun. Uh, you know, they, they had some issues uh, with their bullpen, which they had not had before they came to Coors. And I know everybody's going to say, well, that's Coors Field. I get that. But there were a lot of things that, that I saw that the Rockies took advantage of opportunities. And that was a team that, unfortunately, didn't do so much of that in July and August. So, it's boy, it really kind of wet your mouth a little bit to go, what if they had actually taken advantage of those earlier in the season? But also, too, it leaves a better taste in your mouth entering 2020 than, yeah. it, than like I said, than entering September. I, I thought they would be really close to a 100-loss team. And considering they made the playoffs last year, I, they would be in some very exclusive company, and not obviously for a good reason. Um, but they were able to avoid it. And part of it is the... Uh, like I said, the not quitting. And I mean, there were some teams out there this year who, I mean, I can think of, as, or there's one in each league that I'm thinking of right now who had winning records, had a shot at the playoffs, yeah. and just flat out quit. And those teams are the Cubs and the Indians. I mean, for the Cubs, we saw, I mean, the Cubs were in first place and they just completely fell apart. And then. The Indians, they, well, they were 11 and a half back of the Twins in, it was it was early June, came back, half game up on the Twins, and then I believe they ended up a total of eight games behind the Twins for the AL wow. Central. And I mean, they just completely yeah. fell apart down the stretch. And the Cubs, of course, since they're a bigger team, got it more attention, but the Indians completely fell apart and yeah it was they ended up eight games behind the twins for the al central i mean so there are teams that were in the playoff hunt and completely quit and for the rockies they've been out since i mean you could arguably say since july 4th if, yeah. if not even before then um and no they didn't and, and, and i think that you know there was a lot of heat and I think it was misguided heat on Bud Black this year, especially during some of those horrific moments like the, the San Francisco sweep at Coors Field and, and a lot of things that we don't even want to really think back on. But there there was a lot of, well, is Bud coming back? Should Bud come back? And so much of that I, I think personally was misguided because if you see how this team responded in September and look back at what Bud actually had to roll out there sometimes in terms of his bullpen, uh, and in terms of his starting pitching, just because of the injuries and everything else, uh, you know, I, I really think this is a guy who did as much as he could do with what was given to him. Uh, and I know that you you were mentioning a stat uh, about pitching before we went on the air that I think kind of illustrates just how bad it was whenever they had that smaller roster and how much better it got whenever they could actually expand the roster. Yeah, and. What it was in the month of September, their team ERA was 517. Not good by any stretch, but it was a lot better than it was in the month of August. In the month of August, their team ERA was 640. So, I mean, their team ERA dropped a run and a third in the month of September. Um, and part of it is the expanded rosters um, and seeing some new faces and all that. Um but part of it was some growth yep. from some players. Um, 
But I mean, that's something you're not going to see next year because you aren't going to have the roster right. going, going up to 40. Um, and some other teams had some success with the um, expanded pitching staffs as well. I mean, each of the last two years that you could arguably say that's how the Brewers have got in the postseason the last two years. Um, because their team ERA in the month of September this year and last has been sub three. And I mean, we all know they don't have right. the best rotation out there, uh, not even close. And Craig Council has been able to do that for the Brewers, and it'll be interesting to see what they do next year because they won't have that luxury. But I mean, I believe it was September 5th, the Brewers' playoff chances were at a yeah. <laughs> hovering right around 5%. And yesterday they were. Uh, they very easily could have won the yeah, NL Central. So, I mean, and it was mainly because of the expanded rosters, in, at least in my opinion. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Rockies and other teams like the Brewers will do with that next year. Um, yeah. Since that will not be there. But yeah, that's, I think that's part of the reason for the Rockies that why they pitched better. And and, and I will say this, and, and certainly we've got a lot of offseason to talk about 2020 and everything else, but I will tell you one of the biggest stories that I think went under the radar in September, and, and we're going to be doing something on this soon, is, is Chichi Gonzalez and how he really turned things around in September and how he's put himself, I think, firmly in a – spot that he will be competing for the 2020 rotation. I know some of you out there are rolling your eyes right now whenever I say that, but if you look at what he did in September and you look at what the confidence that he brought to the mound in that month versus what he did in previous months, uh, it's not far-fetched to say that he could be a guy at the back end of the bullpen who could actually maybe, and, and maybe it's the word here, but maybe stabilize that 2020 rotation with a Freeland, Marquez, Gray uh, leading the front end of it. Entering the month of September, Chichi Gonzalez had an ERA of 807. Um, and overall, his oh, the, his stats looked like this. Um, opponents were hitting 299 with a 393 on base percentage by 56 slugging. And the Rockies, in general, were yeah, 0-9 in games that he appeared in. That was entering September. He was 0-6. His record was 0-6. In the month of September, he in, uh, had five games, four starts, 27 in a third innings pitched, allowed 16 hits, seven runs, five uh, only five were earned. Um, his ERA was 165. Batters hit 167. With a 252 on base percentage and a 281 slugging. So just in OPS, wow. it dropped to 534. And before the month wow. of September, it was 948. So, I mean, he essentially cut his opponent OPS yeah. in half. And, and this, essentially. You know, and, and, and I will tell you, if, if you don't believe in the power of positivity, if you don't believe in the power of just getting your mindset right, Go back and read the article that I wrote on rockspile.com about what Ian Desmond said to Chichi Gonzalez 
and how it changed his outlook completely. And and I will tell you, this is a guy that is, you know, after talking to him after his last start on Saturday, this was a guy that had the look of somebody who was very confident that he not only would be back in 2020, but he'd be making an impact in 2020 for the Rockies as well. Yeah, and another person, and I, he'll be in something I want to discuss here in a second, um, yeah. is Tim Melville. I mean, when he got called up as a absolute emergency starter with the John Gray injury, I mean, we thought, eh, he'll go out there for a few innings, and hopefully it won't be 9 nothing in the second inning. And he pitched really well. Um, and in the context that I wanted to talk to him, uh, talk about with him, top 12 players for, and this is according to baseball reference, in war for the Rockies this year. The top six or so are not going to surprise you. Story number one, Arenado two, John Gray three, Marquez four, Scott Oberg five. Charlie Blackman is six. You look at the, the bottom half of that though. Of the top 12. Number seven is Carlos Estevez. And he's, he did really well for the Rockies. Stepped it up a bit um, in the bullpen when the bullpen was not a strong suit for them this year. Number eight, Ryan yep. McMahon. He stepped it up a lot this year for the Rockies. Number nine was Tony Walters. And that mainly, I at least without looking in depth, I would assume mainly on his defense. <laughs> Number 10 is Tim Melville. Number 11 is going to wow. shock you even more. Sam Hilliard. And number 12 was Brian Shaw. Know, so yeah, 10 and 11. Tim Melville and Sam Hilliard. If you would have told me that yeah, even five absolutely. weeks ago, I would have said you were not. You know, and, and, and you're right. <laughs> I, I think that Melville kind of became that folk hero for the Rockies fans this year. And and I will tell you, it's not just, oh, it's a guy who loves barbecue. Oh, it's a nice guy. Oh, it's a good story. No, it's actually a guy who did very well for the Rockies when given the chance. And much like Chi-Chi, I will tell you, he's going to be in the mix come 2020. It would not surprise me at all if those two guys are the back end of your bullpen. Certainly, we don't know what's going to happen with Anderson. We don't know what's going to happen with Bettis. There's a lot of questions about Hoffman. But it would not surprise me at all if you're looking at those two guys being two of the leading contenders for your four and five spot next year. Yeah, and as you were saying, like with the nice guy thing with Tim Melville, I, there's been some teams in the past, and I mean, really, almost every team has had it at some point where, oh, this uh, this guy's a great guy, and he but uh, he struggling pitching or kidding or whatever. At some point, you have to say, uh, it's great that he's he can be in the Hall of Fame, yeah. a nice guy, but if he can't play, then he can't play. But I mean, for the Rockies this year, Tim Melville was that nice guy, but also, too, I mean, there were times where, especially the first two starts that he had, um, where he provided the Rockies with yeah. some innings and pitched really well. So, I mean, that's the thing where, I mean especially entering this season. Tim Melville wasn't even employed by an independent league team. He signed with the independent league team 
I, I believe it was a few weeks in. Um, and then uh, that was the Long Island Ducks. And then the Rockies didn't sign him until I, it was the beginning of May. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely entering spring training or even entering the regular season. Oh, Tim Melville is going to be, especially for his yeah. first few starts, <laughs> he's going to be one of your best starters. Yeah, yeah. It was. Something it was. It, it was a, it was a really season crazy unfolded. season. If you look back at it, it's certainly one that, you know, while we said they were not going to make the playoffs, we certainly didn't think it was going to be a 20 game below 500 type of season. But I will tell you one thing that I, I saw in the end of game statistics from uh, Sunday's walk-off win, that was the 10th walk-off win of the season for the Rockies. And that tied a single season franchise record for them. So, you know, it may have been a down season, but certainly there were some exciting moments in there as well. Now, there are a few walk-off losses as well in Los Angeles that we won't talk about right now. But, uh, but at least you know, uh, 10 walk-off wins, hey, you know, those, those uh, cucarachas uh, stuck around a little bit, especially toward the end of the, the season there. Oh. Yeah, and that's the exactly right. also but there's not cucarachas. And don't you forget know, there's so we need to talk about that. Too. You know, so. <laughs> well, hey, Noah, you know, we've got lots of podcasts. We've got lots of coverage coming up on Rock's Pile this offseason, but uh, those are some things that, Certainly stood out. We'll be back with another episode real soon, talking about some things that stood out about 2019 and what we're looking forward to for 2020. So, Noah, as always, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for listening. We appreciate your support. Uh, we yep, know that uh, we much. bring a little different feel whenever it comes to the Rockies and some of the other uh, media outlets that are out there, and we appreciate your support. We also appreciate your listening. And, hey, if there's something you want to hear us talk about on a future episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, just drop us a line. Follow us on Twitter at Rocks Pile FS. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well with Rocks Pile. And for now, this is Kevin Henry signing off and saying, even in the offseason, hey, go Rockies. Rocks Pile. And for now, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.